Hello, this is Lisa LaRose on Connect to Love on PRNFM on the Vibrant Network. I am joined today by Michael J. Russ, and I'm super, super excited for the topic that we are going to uh, delve into today. I think it's a multifaceted topic that will probably take us into many, many episodes. And, uh, you know, it reminds me of uh, Pharrell Williams, and it's clap along if you know what happiness is Oh, yeah. You. Oh, yeah. Yeah, clap along <laughs> if you feel like it's what you want to do. So, um, you know, I'm going to welcome one of the happiest people I know, uh, Michael J. Russ, founder of Life Moves Podcast. Welcome, Michael. And uh, that's the groove that we're we're vibing into today. I'm so excited. (laughs) I wish I was a better singer uh, because I would sing that that tune. It just, uh, it puts a big smile on my face. It is wonderful. I know somebody Mm -hmm. who starts their day off with that tune. Um, Ah. And they did a 30-day trial. They they literally said, I'm going to do this for 30 days. I'm going to play this song every morning when I wake up and uh, get myself in that in that mental state of mind, in the state of mind of, of, of happiness. Uh, it is such a, an amazing tune uh, that um, uh, that you just you just can't you, know, you, you can't stop moving. It makes you move. It <laughs> puts a smile yeah. on your face. The lyrics are amazing. The groove is just the frequency of the song is awesome. And believe it or not, uh, when um, people, uh, I'll tell you this little quick story. Adele is one of the biggest singers in the world. And mm-hmm. what's interesting, if you listen to her music, if you listen to, her, to, the, to the anthology of her music, uh, what, if, you're, if people will tell you uh, who are in the music industry that there are certain things that she does, certain notes, frequencies of notes that she hits in just about every song, and you listen to her hit songs, and you will notice that sort of a pattern uh, behind the way that she writes, and uh, or as as a, as a co-writer, the way her songs evolve. There is there are, there are a, there's a certain uh, pattern to uh, the frequency of her music uh, in the beginning of the song, and the hook, the the, uh, the um, uh, chorus of her song is has a certain um, has a certain cadence to it. It's really, really interesting, and uh, it resonates with, with, with people on an emotional level. And uh, it's one of the reasons, in my view, I think that she's become such of the star that she, that she is. And if you listen to two or three of her biggest hits, you'll see a, a pattern develop. Uh, and it's really, really cool uh, how that uh, – and, and she's, a, she's a great singer. And I love the yeah, fact that, uh, yeah, that she's, she's, she's created – uh, her story, uh, I don't know if you heard the uh, Oprah interview with her, uh, listened, watched it, but what was interesting about it is uh, how uh, what I was listening for in the interview was her transformation, her personal mm-hmm. choices that led to her transformation, which is really, really unique to see. I mean, you can be in, in awe of the fact that she's Adele, or you can actually say, uh, you could say, well, well, she started out being, she came from being a, a record store clerk. You know, she worked in the in, oh in, in the back room of a record store in London. Yeah, she was she was she had music, she had songs and stuff like that. Uh, however, that was her beginning. She she went from that to uh, doing some demos and recordings and other things, and and one thing leads to another, and and she had her first album, and and uh, uh, but her music very much um, is a is a track uh, of her life. And, uh, and and we talk from from uh, relationship loss uh, to uh, relationship gain to relationship loss and to relationship gain 
and uh, her her um, her uh, offspring and how uh, she uh, dealt with her her uh, uh, the relationship between her and her ex-husband, uh, which is really good. They're friends. He lives across the street, um, and uh, they co-parent uh, their daughter. And how it's just such a very interesting story, um, and it's part of this whole uh, concept that I am that I kind of fell into called uh, kind of creating your happiness, curating your happiness. Uh, the example I gave in a podcast I just did, I just published an episode uh, of Life Moves, and it's a very simple one. Uh, when you build a house, uh, if you're going to build a custom home for yourself or you're going to create a home, a home environment for yourself from a house either that you, you rented or you, you bought or whatever, you can build it from the ground up or whatever it is. If you, I just want to take the ground up because it's so cool in terms of nuance. If you were going to build a custom home for yourself and you know money was no object or money was an object, didn't matter, you're going to literally create a house that resonates with you, with your frequency, your vibe. You're, it's going to be all about you. Uh, you're going to uh, either sit down with an architect or you're going to pick plans that, that have the, the flow you're looking for, the energetic flow in your house. Some people like to buy a house based on its feng shui, um, its flow of energy. Uh, many, many more people don't do that. Uh, but you know when you walk into a house whether it has the bones or the vibe that you're looking for. And then you literally curate the whole thing, the kind of furniture where it's placed. If you do some remodeling, uh, it, you create a, a flow for yourself. It's what you do. You create it around you so that when you walk in the door, that house resonates you. It resonates your frequency. You're happy when you walk in the door. This is what I did with a condo down, down the road when I, that I owned for 10 years here, my first purchase down here in Panama City Beach. I created, I remodeled that, that place, and I turned it into uh, a, a mirror of me in terms of energy and frequency. So every time I walked into it, I was the happiest person in the world. Um, I, they, it kept my happiness flowing, so to speak. And you can do the same thing with your life. You can create experiences. Uh, or if you're going to buy things, buy things that help you create experiences that you remember. Because things, when you buy material things, the happiness is fleeting. And it's fleeting because the longer you have it, the less joy you get from it. Generally, that joy and happiness turns into regret or guilt because you don't use it enough or because you got the latest new thing and now that thing just sits around. Um, however, if you turn around and start spending your money on experiences, your experiences remain in your subconscious for a lifetime. And every time you think of them, every time something happens that triggers that memory, you will relive that happiness that you experienced all over again. It's about... It's about um, allowing the flow to move through you, the, the innate flow of happiness that is always there, has always been within you, that frequency you were born with of happiness and joy and creativity and playfulness. All that is within you, and all you're doing is letting it out. You're just, you're just allowing it to flow, so you're releasing it. Uh, and uh, Because what most people have been doing is, in my view, uh, stemming its tide, stemming its flow uh, their, their entire life. And so... Um, it's really, really cool when you start, when you, when you adopt the concept that I can curate my life. I can curate the people who are in it, the relationships I have, uh, because you don't have to maintain relationships with people if those people are negative. I had a guy tell me just today, this woman, I mean, I can't, she's a good friend a long time, but, you know, I just can't talk with her. I can't, I can't get together with her because every time I get together with her, it's always negative. And I'm not a negative mm -hmm. person. 
And so literally they had to kind of, kind of cut her out of their life. And they actually told him, too, why is it that you're always negative? It's because garbage in, garbage out. I don't know if you ever heard of that. As a sovereign uh, being, you control, you have rule, ownership, or oversee your mind, body, and spirit. That's your right to do that. And you're born with this sovereign right. And so you can control what goes in and out of your mind. And so when you put garbage into your mind, then garbage is going to come out of your mind. (laughs) You have to be very cognizant. Mm -hmm. Of that, So you can curate what goes into your head. You can read the books you want to read. You can expose yourself to the media you want, the, the movies you want, whatever it is you want to do, experiences um, that you have, the choices that you make kind of curate that. So for, for, for everybody out there who's, who's really not happy in their lives, it's because in my view, and this is strictly my view, uh, I, I, necessarily, I never use the word belief. It's ridiculous in my view because nobody cares about what I believe. <laughs> or what I think. I want people to believe and think for themselves. Um, Absolutely. And I'm just simply here, yeah, to share, you know, what, what it is. However, it's you got to get back to basics and say, how much of my life do I actually control? How much of my life do I actually create? And you can create every aspect of your life. And um, I always go back to golf because I love golf. And and there's a <laughs> uh, as an as an analogy, when you go on, when you want to become a golfer. You have to curate your whole golf experience. You have to go get lessons. You have to get the right clubs. You have to go practice. You have to get, you know, to, to perfect the various nuances of the game. And then you've got to go out there and you've got to um, literally forget about the bad stuff and only remember the good and focus on the good. And, and all along the way, you're continually, um, how can I put it, the word I'm looking for is that you're continually uh, reassessing what you did. You're, you're taking a look at what just happened. If it's not to your liking, you figure out a way to make it better next time. And it's literally, you know, 100, 200 yards down the road. That's how soon you do it. If you did that with your life, instead of allowing things to build and fester and so that you, you, they, they contaminate your existence, life would be a whole lot different, to get my point. Mm-hmm. I know that I've kind of gone a long way into this, but that is – that I'm extremely passionate about this topic because there's no reason for anybody not to be happy. Even Nelson Mandela found a way to be happy in his circumstances within the context of his, you know, seven by seven or eight by eight or six by six cell for 27 years. He found a way to coexist with his environment and, and not, not live as a victim, not live through blame, uh, not brand, you know, not live through anger or hate because that would have destroyed him from within. And he wanted himself to blossom. And the only way he could do that is to forget about all that and to not blame the messengers, which were the guards and the, the, everybody else, and, and, or the people who put him in there. And it's an, it's an extreme example because not everybody goes through that, but that is, we all have that capability. All Absolutely. I love that you use the word curate because it's it's to me it's a, a very very powerful word. It's being very selective and mm-hmm. mindful of the choices that you make when you curate something. You know, you think about the best pieces in a museum are curated. Um, it's right. it's a, a very very powerful word. And you know, I'd like to just acknowledge first our, our listeners in the United States and globally, and we're so 
appreciative that you tune in into us here on Connect to Love because it's it it is so exciting to to see that our the our, our what we share is is shared throughout the world and in the United States um, there's for our global listeners there's a, a document called the Bill of Rights and it the first part of the Bill of Rights is life liberty and the pursuit of happiness and when we think about that pursuit you know it was something that they said. Our founding fathers said that this is one of our rights. But then when you actually, I started looking at, you know, the word pursuit. You know, pursuit is Mm -hmm. taking an interest in something, but it also has to do with chasing something. And I I liked what you said about the, the golf because when I think sometimes when you're chasing something such as happiness, it is almost like a never ending road. And so instead of chasing that, and looking at that as a pursuit, rather take an interest in how to find it within yourself. And I love, the, and I don't know who said it, but it's, you know, is the, the expression, follow your joy. I think that when you do something like that, it's looking at that internal happiness. What is it that makes you happy? Is it, you know, <laughs> during, during the whole pandemic, uh, you know, I never saw people so joyful about getting a roll of toilet paper in my entire life. <laughs> they would come out and they're like, look, look, I got it, I got it, I got it. I got yeah, it's crazy, it's crazy. Paper. I got toilet paper. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I understand. So, so simple. But, you know, so, so I think for what our listeners, um, you know, for it, it means something different to everybody. And really... You know, the purpose of happiness, in my opinion, is really being authentic and true to yourself. It, it's a part of discovery. You need to find out what it means for you to be happy. Um, you know, I always love the expression big love and, and big happiness. You know, it's something to me that will hold you together when things seem to be crumbling apart. You have that capacity to go back and go, oh, I know what that felt like. You know, I might be having a challenging day today, but you know what? This, I know inside of me, there is a part that deserves to be happy that can be happy i know that it's the simple things in life that make a difference you know and i think oftentimes when you look at a child a child can have a temper tantrum they can be giggling and laughing they can be crying you know all in the matter of maybe 30 minutes and they go through all those emotions but ultimately Mm -hmm. they get to a place where there's contentment and happiness and maybe (laughs) i'm not saying everybody needs to go through all all those emotions but you know where where is it that you find your own level of joy and you know, I don't know. Do you have do you have any exercises that you use, Michael, to kind of reconnect to your happiness when you're having a challenging day? Yeah, um, I go actually through a, a, a series of of, of moves, <clears throat> actually, um, and that is the first thing I do is uh, I, I realize how I feel, and uh, I mean I recognize that I'm not I'm feeling off, and I do. There are days when I do feel off, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a person that likes to, uh, when I talk about curate, I curate my entire day from the moment I get up. I curate it around what I enjoy. Um, and most people wouldn't think that uh, going out to a barn and cleaning a stall, the pooping pee out of a, uh, a horse's stall is, is fun, but you know what? I say I love you at least twice to my girlfriend when we're doing it together. Um, I 
I found a way. I changed my my perception of it. I made it. I made it something that was fun. I turned it into something to say, okay, great. This gets me up early in the morning. It gets my blood pumping. Uh, I I get a workout, um, climbing up the ladder to the hayloft and dumping buckets of of muck buckets and things of that nature that weigh at least fifty to seventy pounds uh, each time. And um, and I I I just love it. I, I look at it. I didn't used to like it. <laughs> just to let you know, there is a flip side to this. Uh, mm-hmm. For for at least ten years, I said I'd never do that. For ten years, I said I wouldn't do that. And then my girlfriend's horse got sick. And uh, in, when her horse got sick, that was a year ago, April, uh, she needed some assistance. And I started going out there every morning. I committed myself to going out there every morning because I knew she was having a challenging time. And I, I turned it into uh, serving someone else. I turned my particular dislike for wanting to go out there and you know spend or waste 45 minutes to and from and doing whatever I'm doing uh, into, hey, I'm being of service to, to, to someone I love, someone I care about, uh, who mm-hmm. needs me right now. I wasn't, didn't want her to go out there and, and not have some company that, uh, when she's dealing with a horse that's, uh, that's sick, that's ill, that's dealing with some things. And I would go out there at night. We'd go out there at night and, and check on her. Um, so I just simply shifted my perception of, of, of the whole environment. And so when, you're, when I'm feeling a little bit off, um, I examine my perception and I also ask myself, is what I'm investing this negative energy into something I can control or not? Uh, and, which is one of the most important questions. I'd say the second most important question after what are my perceptions of this. What about this can I control? Mm-hmm. And uh, if, it's, if it's something that I heard on TV or read on a, uh, on a text or um, I, uh, I read the newspaper or somebody texted me or sent me an email or something about uh, that is something outside of me. It doesn't have anything to do with me. Um, I think what happens, in, in my view, I should say not I think, but in my view, people in this world with, of, of 24-7 high-intensity information, um, they, the, the thinking becomes everything's important. I need to pay attention to this. Mm-hmm. And really it isn't. <laughs> the example I used in at least two or three books when I talked about self-talk is, uh, 200 years ago, you lived on a farm, and you were basically mi- a mile from the next person, half a mile. You never really saw them. You were a mile or two from town, maybe two miles, five miles from town, however far you were, but you weren't right next door. Maybe you did live in town. Uh, however, the only source of information you had was gossip or uh, if there was a local newspaper. If something happened uh, outside of town, you didn't hear about it unless somebody come in and told you. Uh, when you're out of town, you don't hear about it unless you talk to a neighbor. So today, I mean, fast forward to today, this our society today, you're hearing about what goes on in, in, in Timbuktu or Kuala Lumpur or uh, you know, uh, Singapore or, or Europe in, in seconds. Um, and so when – and the news media is – their modus operandi and the way they survive is to be escalatory about whatever it is. Uh, they, you, they have to make it sound sensational uh, in, in whatever it is and give you the absolute worst of whatever it is in order for, for you to pay attention because they're looking for your attention. They seek attention all the time. That's why headline writers are paid so much money. 
and headlines are the key, right? That's the key to any news. Uh, a headline on, on a, in a, in a newspaper, an article, the headline on the front page of a newspaper uh, up top is the most important headline in the entire paper. It determines whether or not it gets sold or not. So mm-hmm. when if it's on page one, it is the most important, most excitable uh, item, emotionally excitable item that they can put on the front page. And you have to recognize that. Let's not be naive about this. News and media and, and, and all this information that's out there has a purpose to seek your attention, to actually tap into your emotions and to control your emotions so that it can get your attention and thereby make higher advertising dollars because you're paying attention, you're engaging with it, right? So either buying it or engaging with it in clicks and likes and whatever, spending time on the site. They know all that. They've got all your data. Um, so it, this is the world we live in right now, and I have to ask myself, can I control anything about that 250,000 people that got you know, wiped out by the tsunami in Indonesia? Um, I can feel as bad as I want about it, how long I'm going to feel bad. Uh, I feel uh, bad until – I feel sad for the people, but the point is that what I, what I do, what I've started to do is, is basically focus on love and light for uh, envisioning that whole area, just sitting – just sit down, close my eyes, and envision uh, that whole area enveloped by white light uh, and literally say, I, you know, angels, heavens, please accept those souls uh, without uh, further delay. You know, um, please mm-hmm. make sure that they're taken care of, that they ascend uh, with, with, with uh, that their soul ascends uh, without, without challenge or without delay. And so that's what I, and beyond that, UNHCR. I can donate some money to a, a charity uh, that is actually boots on the ground helping them. That's being of service in, in my view because I can't go there, right? I, I can't get on a plane right. and fly over there and actually help. That's actually counterproductive. Um, but the, the look at my perception. I examine that first. Secondly, can I control anything about this? We have to let go of what we cannot control. We have to mm-hmm. focus only on what we have control over, which is only us. We can control us, our thoughts, words, feelings, and, and actions and responses. That's all we can control. Minor conversation is, is, is uh, golden to me, and I make sure that nothing outside contaminates that inner conversation. I know how I feel about myself. I know myself, and uh, nobody's going to tell me different. Um, and it's a challenge for a lot of young people out there right now because there are so many sources out there looking to tell them how they feel, how they mm-hmm. should feel. And yeah. it's, a, it's a shame. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, there's a really great quote that, it, uh, that I actually wrote down because it says, happiness is letting go of what you think your life is supposed to look like. And I don't, it's right. unknown who said that. But I think that you're absolutely right. You know, your own definition of happiness is going to influence the rest of your life. So when you look at that and you say, okay, I don't need to... Um, look like the Joneses or the Kardashians or whoever else it is. I'm going to choose my own path. I'm going to take a look and individually find out what gives me pleasure, what gives me satisfaction, what brings me joy, what makes me, you know, unreasonably happy. I mean, I I love to see, you know, I always comment about your beautiful smile because when I look at you, you exude happiness, I, and, and you walk into the room. And it, again, as you said, you don't. It doesn't mean you don't always um, are in that state, but you 
you can go back to that same level of joy. You can think about the things that bring you to that space. You're very mindful about what it means to you and what the purpose of happiness is in your life. Um, you know, you. I don't see you. I, you know, as chasing happiness. I think that for you, it's been a, a part of you innately, probably since you were a child. Um, you know that you you were able to navigate through you know different challenges. You use your attitude and the relationships you had. You know, you have a great foundation with your mother and your siblings, and you know you influ- you brought all of that into your work. You know, you have a very strong faith in a higher power, um, and you just you don't just sit around. You participate in life. I mean that for me, is, is all of those things that bring even myself joy. Am, am I correct in my assumption, Michael, about your, you know, about Pretty the much. things that... Only, only except attitude? for one thing. Only, only except for one thing. I agree with you that, I, that I've been happy for a long period of time. I, I, I still can't find anybody that, that, that can tell me uh, that, a, that a baby's born sad, that a baby's born, um, you know, uh, it, 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 with negative feelings and emotions. Uh, in in mm-hmm. in my view, souls are born happy and joyful. It, it, my my perspective is that happiness, joy, creativity, fulfillment, joy, peace, uh, freedom—they're all innate to who we are. When we're born, we have them. They're already mm-hmm. flowing in us. This is, and I kind of right. create this picture for myself when I when I'm feeling a bit off. I recognize that it's not something outside of me that I have to go to to feel differently, unless it may be an experience or giving. Uh, being a service to someone else is one of the quickest ways to elevate your own feelings. Uh, I, I'm into alchemy, personal alchemy, so I, I use various tools, various elements of alchemy uh, to, uh, to elevate my, uh, my frequency, so to speak. I, it helps to look at frequency, at joy and happiness and and um, uh, playfulness and creativity, curiosity. These are all in fulfillment. They are all frequencies we are born with. We're born mm-hmm. resonating as souls with these frequencies. And if we, if we get that picture in our mind, then we can say, why is my frequency so low? Why am I? And then say, okay, what do I have to do to elevate my frequency? It's already there. The happiness and all that, the joy, curiosity, it's all there already. I'm already an incredibly joyful person, even if I'm not smiling. Mm-hmm. If I'm not smiling, though, I have to recognize immediately that it's something outside of me that's impeding the flow. This is the difference. When we, when we look for something outside of us to uh, something material-like, which in, in nowadays is, is quite uh, common, you know, I don't feel that right. great. I'm going to go shopping. You know? I don't feel great. I don't paper. feel happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go shopping for toilet paper, right? I'm going to go shopping for this watch. I'm going to go shopping for clothes or shoes. We've already got a million shoes, but I want to buy another pair because it makes me feel happy. And uh, literally when we start looking outside of ourselves for the happiness, what happens when a, when, a, when, a, uh, uh, when a pandemic hits and we can't go shopping? Right. Uh, except for online maybe. Uh, we, we, but we can't have that experience of shopping where we try it on, we, we, they know us because we go there all the time and we, we're important to them because we spend a lot of money with them. And what well, if you can't do that anymore? What if the thing that mm-hmm. makes you happiest because it's outside of you, because it's something outside of you, um, because you're not really feeling the flow inside, so you have to go outside to get that thing. What if that thing can't be accessed? Then what do you do? 
this is where a lot of during the during during the recession the recession the, uh, uh, the the COVID lockdowns and things a year and a half we had issues where transportation and, and movement was limited uh, when when people were literally suffering from depression and anxiety and they were feeling off because now I'm alone I don't have all those things outside of me that I tap into. Uh, because I don't feel that good about myself. I don't have any way of generating, of allow, allowing that flow to, to, of happiness to, uh, uh, to uh, go out of me, to, to, to flow unabated. It's, it's, it's infinite. However, you know, nothing there. I mean, the whole world shut down. Now, cities mm-hmm. became, went from, went from uh, totally polluted to totally clear. You know, I mean, in, in, almost like in a couple of weeks, it was done. Uh, so... These, in my view, it's like we have to look at the fact that we already are happy. So let's just figure out what outside of us impeding, is impeding that happiness. What is it that we've tapped into that is allowing us, uh, that has taken over our sovereignty, that we've invested in, our emotional capital in? And live, generally, it's something you cannot control in the first place. Generally, right. it's something you have. You can't control other people. They said some, someone said something to you on social media. Something about you that, that was really not good. Um, if you know who you are, then that shouldn't bother you because they don't really know who you are. You do. You know who you right. are. Only you can know mm-hmm. who you are. Only you can know what you're capable of. And allowing somebody else to dictate what that is is giving up your own sovereignty. And what I seek to share with people is that you, when you act, when you think and act from sovereignty, from the right to control what goes into your body, your mind, and what uh, you expose your spirit to, that is, that is powerful. When you start to take control that, to oversee that, when you, when you uh, take hold of that right, it means everything to you. Because I see people blaming others. Blame is, a, is, a, is, a, is an outright um, example of literally relinquishing your, your right of sovereignty over yourself. You've now allowed someone else to dictate how you feel because you're blaming them for something that you're not taking responsibility for. You know, everybody has responsibility for something. It's, a, it's an element of alchemy. So if you, if you assume responsibility, even though somebody has done something to you, you had some part in it. So what I seek to do is when I'm feeling off is I examine what it is that I've exposed myself to that I'm buying into that I cannot control, and once I just determine what that is, I let it go. Mm-hmm. I let it go. I said, it's it. I can't, I can't do anything about that. I invested in it for my emotional capital into it for 10, 20 minutes, an hour, two hours, half a day. Why did I do that? I don't know, but it's not how uh, – it's a function of how long you allow that to go on. How quickly right. can, you, can you transmute whatever it is, elevate yourself above it, and move on? That's, that's mm-hmm. the thing. I hate to go back to golf, but the people who are the best golfers in the world, that's what separates them from everybody else, all things being equal in terms of, of, of talent. How quickly you can let go of something, of something you're completely 100% responsible for. If you hit a ball into the water, into the out-of-bounds, you have to suffer. You have to take your medicine. You have to suffer for the, the stroke. You have to simply say, I did that. You have to accept you did it. Stop blaming something else blaming it on something else and just simply accept it and go, okay, I'm going to take my medicine, my, my, my penalty, 
I'm going to keep moving on because if I focus on that going forward, it is going to impact my thinking and my eventually my physicality, my ability to perform. That is the beauty of the sync between golf and life, and that's the same way in life, uh, except in life it happens over a longer period of time. If you right. continue dis ease, why don't you let our audience know what the function of what this the, the definition of dis ease is? Because you're very good at this. <laughs> <laughs> you're loving it. I love the way you do this. But dis ease is Ms. LaRose. For me, what it means is uh, it, within the within the body there is no. Um, so, like homeostasis, it's it's not being at ease in your own beingness. Um, and when you aren't, there's a, a lot that transcends can manifest. from that. Same, yeah, can manifest. And what's interesting, and I think you, you know what you're saying, and what I believe is that even in that state, happiness is always here. We aren't always exactly. connected to it. We are. Yeah. We get busy. We rush around. We, mm -hmm. have, we find we have mm -hmm. no time to be happy. Um, and, and one of the things that really I there – in, <laughs> there in 2009, I went to the Celebrate Your Life conference, and there was a gentleman there. His name was Robert Holden. He was a um, – I think he was a psychotherapist or something like that. And he told a story of how, you know, he went to this one – he went to try to get help and, you know, for depression, and, you know, they tried – XYZ and it didn't work and this didn't work and this all these different things and finally the therapist that was working with him looked at him and he said you know what your problem isn't you're depressed he said you're British <laughs> he said and he you know I thought oh my gosh isn't that interesting but in in Britain and he started talking about how is the cultural norm in Britain well it's everybody complains about the rain and this and and they're just generally there's a this feeling of unhappiness. And so in 1992, right. he started a thing called the Happiness Project. And what was so interesting about his Happiness Project, and he said, you know, he would try to help people overcome their, prob their unhappiness. And he said they would get to the point where, oh, they, they're happy, they would be happy, and then a problem would come up again. And then yep. they would oh my gosh, you know, all, everything that we did was, was gone. And he mm -hmm. said one of the things that he found was really being able to explore happiness now and in, in the imperfect moments in your life. And I really love that. And he said that they found he did sort of like an eight-week program where they actually looked at the brain and found that you could change the brain to affect positive change in your life. And to me, when you're talking about disease, it's not being able to be in a state where you are feeling joy, completeness, being true to yourself, whatever that is. It's, it's that mm -hmm. state of being out of, out, out of sync with who you truly are. And it is a choice. And, and one of the other things that I really, and I'd love to sort of explore this is, and he talked about how we don't talk about happiness with our family. Like, what does it really mean for you to be happy? We'll talk about, like, oh, did you see this video on YouTube? Did you see this clip? Did you see this photo? You know, I see people will be at a table with their family 
over dinner and all of them will be on their phones. But nobody really asks that question. You know, um, you know, they don't talk about it. You know, what does it look like to you? What does it feel like to you? Uh, what did you notice? Everybody is, is too busy. So to get really, really clear about it, and I think that that would be a magnificent exercise even for us to do. I mean, I'd love to get some feedback from our audience. You know, what does happiness mean to you? And, and you know, you're sure you get the canned answers. Oh, happiness is looking at a flower. <laughs> but that's not really truly you know, what is it? So you kind of go from there and maybe it's 12, 12 steps that takes you to really being shown what is the truth for you uh, about what really truly makes you happy. I mean, everybody has their own definition and what it is. Yeah, it's subjective think, for everyone. Mm-hmm. Right. It's yeah, very, it's, very it's subjective individual. for everyone. Mm-hmm. Now I can, I can, yeah. I can expand upon your, your flower situation, uh, the flower example. Uh, and, yeah, you will find some people that say, yeah, looking at a flower. Now, what about somebody who loves to garden, right? So they right. they go through the whole process of, of curating a garden for themselves, and their whole mission and goal is to create life. And to mm-hmm. uh, and, and my, my Hawaiian girlfriend back in the 80s used to say, uh, an unpicked uh, flower is wasted. And so oh. because in Hawaiian culture, you <laughs> pick a flower, put it in your hair, right? You pick it up, yeah. put it in the house, put it in your hair, whatever. So... Uh, uh, I've always remembered that, that uh, when my gardenia bush is, is blossoming prolifically uh, in season, uh, I pick as many uh, gardenias as I possibly can, bring them into the house, and I fill the house with the smell oh, of gardenia. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and the same thing, yeah, isn't that amazing? So somebody curates a rose garden for themselves. It's a labor of love. It's, it's creation, uh, and it it. It allows the innate happiness, your innate happiness to flow because you are um, busy creating, and creation is an element of alchemy. If you are mm-hmm. uh, sitting in the house, depressed, sitting on the couch watching television, getting up and going and creating something, you, whether it's sitting down at, a, at, a, at an easel and painting or taking out a pen and paper and drawing or pencil and drawing, um, creating some sculpture, creating something in the yard, uh, mowing your lawn. Uh, is a creative uh, is a creative venture because you're the one who gets to make it look pristine in the way it is. It goes from looking a little raspy to looking absolutely beautifully manicured. That's you. It's something you can that you you create, right? And so when I say uh, curate your life, I'm talking about that as well. Curating experiences for yourself. Uh, and uh, if you if you love to someone said on the radio the other day that they were I'm feeling a little bit off I'm feeling a little depressed I think I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go down to to and volunteer at the local uh, food shelter you know I'm going to go down and do that because serving someone else will immediately lift my spirits and oh. I said boom well that's an, giving is an element of alchemy if mm-hmm. you are uh, in your in your worst in your most downtrodden state, if you've had the most tragic thing happen to you in your life, serving someone else, giving to someone else will will elevate you above that experience. Number one, it'll put it'll bring you into the present moment, which is now because you're serving someone now. You're not thinking about the past and what happened, something you cannot control. You can't control loss. That happens. You lose someone, all you can do is think of them fondly, be grateful for. Uh, they're having been in your life, having had the experiences with them that you had, 
and the time you had with him. That's all you can do. You can't bring it back. Right. So you can focus mm-hmm. on right now being in the present moment and actually giving in the present moment. Like I said, happiness is always there and flowing. It's a function of whether or not you allow it to flow or not based on what right. you do. Uh, and, it's, and, it's, and that flow, what, what makes everybody happy is, is, is a subjective thing. It's unique to each individual. Now, about the U.K. experience, big thought fires. Big thought fires there. Right. If you grow up as a, mm-hmm. as a child – uh, and someone tells you, no, you're British, you're never going to be happy. You know, the weather's always bad. Never, that, right? and, you, and you buy into that story, that narrative, uh, that big, huge, uh, overriding, uh, you know, countrywide thought virus, then you will. Now, look at the people now, because UK experiencing due to climate circumstances, uh, the changing climate on the earth, they're experiencing over 100 degrees, right? So where'd that jury you know, weather thing go. That's gone, right? right. Now we got 106. Gone, right? Yeah. Right. Wow, so that's going to change that's that whole, amazing. yeah, it's going to change that whole story, right? Um, and, and that's going to continue to happen. So it's, when I look at someone who's not smiling, I know their mind is somewhere else. I know they're thinking about something in the past that occurred or thinking about something in the future they have to deal with because they're not in the present moment, not with me. Mm-hmm. That's just like evident. It's written all over their face. A smile is, even if you force a smile, I think somebody said that you, can, you, you can't feel sad when you, when, you, when, you, when you smile. It's impossible to feel bad. It's like a, it's a physical thing. It kinda, your mouth and your mind are connected, so to speak. And you cannot feel sad when you smile. It, right. it's, it's almost impossible, right? And so it's really kind of interesting. And and I, I know this is my experiential wisdom and how it plays out in my life and how I see people. And when I, when I, uh, when I see someone I feel that, that looks a little bit off and I ask them, what's going on? You know, you don't, you don't, look, you don't look yourself today, you know. And, and they, uh, I say it in such a way that is, that is kind and caring and empathetic uh, and compassionate, and they literally tell me what's going on. They just say, whether I know them or not, they just tell me what's going on. And I go, hmm, think about that for a second. Um, the, and, I, and I impart one simple thing to them, like maybe, mm, is that something you can do anything about? They go, no, can't, can't do anything about that. Well, think about that for a second. If you can't change it, you have to find a different way of thinking about it. You have to, you have, mm-hmm. it, you have to find a different way of, of coexisting with that experience. And you coexist it, guess, with it through gra- gratitude or, in your case, forgiveness. If it's something that you did that you're feeling bad about, you have to immediately forgive yourself and forgive yourself for having done it, right? Let yourself, let yourself be free to let it go. If you need to apologize mm-hmm. to someone, that's an action that you definitely must take. You take that action, you'll feel better and you'll forgive yourself for having done it. If you don't employ forgiveness and you should forgive yourself for a lot of things throughout the day because we're human and we're still evolving and we are making mistakes every single day. But if you let them pile up Absolutely. without forgiveness, they will weigh you down. They will weigh did, you down. Did you by chance ever see the Disney movie Inside Out that came out in, mm-hmm. I think, 2015? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and what I, I found so fascinating yeah. about Amazing. that movie actually made me cry. Um, you know, there yeah. were different emotions within this little girl, and I can't recall what her name is, unfortunately, but um, there was joy, there was anger, disgust, fear, and sadness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And mm-hmm. as this little girl um, got, you know, further and further away from uh, her happiness, her joy, um, you know, each one of the, the characters uh, came out. And, um, oh, shoot, I can't even remember the little girl's name. But um, what it was so interesting was that it took sadness, blamed everything on herself. And when Joy was stuck in the world of the imagination and lost and, you know, this little girl could not reconnect and find that happiness, it was the sadness and the memory of uh, a time that was tender to her and her parents comforted her and the little girl's name was Riley, I just remembered, um, that brought that brought that memory of that joy back so that every single emotion is important. And and I love the fact that even though you go through sadness or I thought it was interesting, fear, uh, you can be brought back to that place because it's in us innately. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, yeah, I just really is. love the, oh, I love the movie. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like there's a, there's a, you know, there's a bright light shining uh, within us when we're when we're born, and we we somehow buy into uh, the things that dim that light. I think it's probably a mm-hmm. great way of, of of visualizing this whole thing. We have a light. That light can shine bright. It can be can be infinitely bright to the point where it's blinding. Uh, and uh, in my view, people who are, who are innately happy uh, because they're um, curating their life experience and I thought about something the other day, which is your why, your why. Uh, when mm-hmm. you, you have to ask ourselves this question, why we're we doing things. Are we doing them for ourselves? Are we doing them because we're serving another? Or are we doing for someone else? And um, there's a distinction there. Uh, is it something that we, uh, because obviously when we're growing up, our parents ask us to do things. And, you know, there's a reason for that. And sometimes it's because we want to develop uh, your parents want you to develop a self-reliance, uh, be self-actualized, want you to be able to stand on your own two feet in a, in, you know, when you're living on your own in the future, that kind of thing. There's, there's reasons for that. There's different parenting models that, that can go along with that. However, when, if, you're, if you're working on a, on a job and you've gotten to, to a place where you're working on a, in, a, in a career path, and that career path uh, isn't, doesn't have the relevance with regard to, to Sparking creativity, inspiration, making, make, letting the happiness and, and playfulness and uh, that that and the joy within you flow. If it doesn't involve any of your gifts uh, and the things that you care about most in life, you have to simply reassess what you're doing. If you're doing it for mm-hmm. the money, I've always said you feel good about it once a month, and then the other 30 days, 29 to 30 days, you don't really like it. It's not really uh, relevant for you. It's not adding anything to your life. Uh, the, the, it's not allowing your happiness to flow because you're incongruent. You're, 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 it's incongruent with you, right? With, with your why. So you have to know your why. If you're, and that's how you get back to, to knowing when you're in the right place by asking why am I in this relationship? Why am I uh, in this career field? Why am I doing what I do? And if you can come up with a decent answer for that, that answer should drive you uh, forward. If you're, if you don't have a why, if you're just doing it for something outside of you, which is money or material things or bills or whatever, 
then you have to turn around and look the other way and start redesigning your life around what you really want. That means maybe you'll have to get rid of some things that are actually too expensive for you and they're somebody else's idea of perfection or success. Maybe you'll mm-hmm. have to, um, to reassess uh, who you're with in a relationship. Even that happens. You know, I mean, relationships do run their course. Um, and, you know, it's not for me to say whether it has or it hasn't. It's up to you to kind of figure it out uh, through counseling or whatever avenue. Uh, conversation, communication with you and the other person uh, is always a good thing. And somehow, the more couples are together, the less they communicate. What is up with that? You know, <laughs> I guess I, mean, I get it, it right. It's, it's, it's like, you know, the communication kind of dies off because expectations, uh, this is a whole other topic, by the way, for another podcast, is about how to be happy within a relationship uh, because, because our expectations are a big part of that, our perceptions and our expectations. We perceive them as being one way or another, and we, we somehow, if they decide to change uh, their modus operandi, they decide to embrace the new things that they've never done before, Somehow the relationship is threatened because why in the world did you do you now like that when you didn't like it before? You know, and you have to allow people. Mm-hmm. People have to be allowed to blossom. And grow, people, people do 100%. change their mind. Yeah, they have, mm-hmm. if they if they say they want to go do something, hey, go do it. Encourage them to go do it. Um, it's you know, fear is not a driving force behind a relationship for very long. Um, it's not. It's simply going to dictate all of your. It's going to telegraph all your moves. Fear, mm-hmm. you know, if you're fear, if you're afraid of the relationship, you're not going to have the relationship anymore because you don't feel good about yourself or whatever it is, whatever it may be. Then, then that's going to. You might as well write a, you know, write a, a, a wear a sandwich board that says, you know, I'm I'm afraid I'm going to lose this relationship. So I, every thought, word, feeling, and action I I express is is based in fear of of this. I can't be myself because this, I fear being alone. Um, and I'm going to come out here and just tell you flat out. I, it, was, it was probably 30 years ago that I really feel good being by myself. And I had to reexamine all of that. And obviously over the last three, decade, three decades, I've made a, a, a huge shift in, in my life. But it all started with the thought of why do I not feel comfortable by myself? Why do I feel like I have to go out, go dancing, or go here or go there? What is it about where I am? What am I uncomfortable with in, in, with regard to my life? Why does it make me uncomfortable? And... Uh, now, uh, well, as of 10 years ago, 10, 12, 13 years ago, I could just sit around by myself. It used to be so great when I just had movie night with me, <laughs> you know, or, you know, now, now I, I love guess. to sit up here and write, you know, I love to write, write right. a podcast out, you know, write something, produce something, create something um, out of my own mind. And uh, uh, we have that, we all have that ability. I ran into a, there was a gentleman the other day that was talking about, um, he his secret passion was knitting. And when his, when his friends found out that he, that he loved to knit, uh, they wanted to know how to do it. He thought that they'd always, oh. be, they'd always chastise him for knitting. <laughs> and oh, when they found out that he knitted the hat he had on, yeah, they found out, and they go, hey, man, how do you do that? You know, and then they started this knitting group together. <laughs> so wow, you know, a bunch really of millennials cool. just hanging out. But that's, you never know. You live in fear of ex- expressing yourself, and this, is, this thing makes you happier than anything else. I get another guy, literally, my, my, one, of my, one of my good friends. Uh, he's probably 57, 58. Um, we just met him about four or five months ago, and now they've become, we've become fast friends. And he said the other day at dinner, he says, my secret passion is Legos. 
I said, oh, what? <laughs> he goes, Legos. He says, I have got hundreds of thousands of Legos organized into 18 different boxes, 18 different wow. things. Everything is organized together. I can pull out a bin and I can create what's in it, right? Because he's got all the pieces. Fantastic. And uh, in his house in Colorado, his custom home, he had a room just for him with all his Lego bins and he'd create things. And, and I'm like, you know what? That's awesome. I know people, That's you know, fantastic. my brother was in Star Trek. I've met so many people who are Trekkers and they, they, they uh, love dressing up and uh, going to uh, conventions and, and meeting other people who have the same interest. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, I mean, it's not me. I go to a lot of conventions, but I, I've gone to a lot of conventions, dozens of them, but I, 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 you know, I don't dress up and I don't do all other kind of stuff. Uh, but I, I have always admired people for just being themselves yeah. or whatever your yeah. interest is that you, yeah. you do it. It makes you, makes you feel good. You design your life around it and you have embrace some ethics and morals and, and, and things that, that, uh, embrace that, that, that allow your own innate happiness to, to flow. That doesn't mean that you don't have other issues or challenges in your life, and this is maybe something that you go to because, it, you know, if, it, if it's an escape for you, then you have to kind of, in my view, examine what it is. Are you, or are you using it to elevate the, your, your frequency to keep your happiness flowing? Uh, and if so, you need to look at the other part of your life that doesn't make you feel good, where you feel mm-hmm. you have to do it. Why not? be able to do that and feel good when you're not doing it. That's absolutely. Yeah. I think, yeah. And happiness is contagious. I think when you join in and somebody uh, appreciates what it is that you're doing, like knitting or trekking or whatever it is that, um, or Lego, yeah. you know, that made me smile. I mean, it made me think about, awesome. you know, what was I going to build when I, I had some Legos, you know, and I think when you start each day, you know, when you wake up, you, know, you can have, you ask yourself a question, you know, what can I create today? What is the purpose? What do I want to bring into my life? And happiness is a big part of that. And, you know, how, you, how do you oh, want yeah. to participate in life? And, you know, what do you want to create? And if you choose happiness, that's wonderful. If you choose kindness, you know, that, then start by being kind to yourself first. Um, it's really, it's really a gift. Go. And and each right. episode that we share with you, we so appreciate you listening to us here on Connect to Love on PRNFM. And I just am, am grateful to each one of you and to to you, Michael. And I'd love for you yeah. to sign off. Um, you know, we, our we our time goes so so quickly, and it makes me so happy to be here with you and it is such a, a gift of happiness for me so so thank you and uh, I'll let it's you it's the highlight of my week my dear the <laughs> highlight of my week I designed my whole week around this show <laughs> as much as best I can it's the one consistent thing I do in my life every week because my I, you know I like to go off on a lot of different tangents you know um, again I, I can I'll, I'll end the show by uh, by saying that the that Happiness, we have to, we have, in order to be happy, we have to shift our, um, our definition of happiness. We have to see it as something that is us, that we are, that that frequency is already in us and the whole, our mission in life is to keep that frequency flowing unabated. That's, that's, our, that's our mission. And uh, whether it's here listening to Connected Love to what we impart here uh, or listening to Life Moves podcast or um, any other podcast that helps you um, gain enlightenment 
which is the highest frequency you can vibrate that can help you transform, continually evolve as a human being, uh, that, that's going to help you uh, re- remain uh, in the higher frequencies of happiness and joy and, uh, and fulfillment and love. It's going to help you be there. So um, thank you for listening. Uh, wherever you are in the world, uh, whether it's uh, Vincent, Vincent, the Grenadines, Singapore, Germany, Belgium, wherever it may be, United States, thank you so much. We're so grateful, Lisa and I, for your, uh, for your listenership. Thank you. And uh, until next time, I'm going to be, I'm going to maybe do the 30-day Farrell uh, Williams <laughs> happiness song. I just, uh, you know. Uh, just it's just something that I think would be uh, a, a good mantra to start the day with. So thank you for that, Mike. Absolutely. Thank you for your time. Please <laughs> give it a shot. Let me know how it goes. <laughs> yeah, because happiness is the truth, right? Exactly. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, have a great Take week. Care. Make it awesome. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>